Say That, podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I may not even participate in this episode because it's a charade. Indeed it is. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Now, when you say that, do you mean like the party game? Because that can be kind of fun. No, that's charades. Okay. This is a cruel charade. I see. I'm not sure I see the difference. Cruel yeah. charades is an awful party game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we wrote we wrote down annoying personality traits of other people in the room. Act them out. <laughs> oh man, I would buy that. Do do your most awful visual representation of your, your people you resent in the room. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, but one of the reasons that one of the many reasons this episode is a cruel charade is because we were without regular co host Lee Younger. He's Ooh. one of the pastors of Christ Community Church. He is currently at Young Life Camp at Sharp Top Cove. He is, if you're new to the show, if this is your first time tuning in, he's the well-behaved one. Yeah, that's right. So we're going to do the best we can. It's, Which is not very good. It's we're gonna not, no, but be, it is the best we can do. Yeah, yeah. Making it really, in a way, sadder that this is the best we can do. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. That's right. But we also one of the reasons we're behaving is because uh, it's it's a classy show today. It is. We oh. later on in the show we'll have an interview with uh, CCM artist Jason Gray, very Ooh. cool musician, good dude. So we're going to get you to that. We're going to answer Fancy. some questions. But we're opening with an emergency. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. There's an emergency. There's an occasionally again if you're new if you're a new listener occasionally we will be interrupted from getting directly into dispensing the spiritual wisdom to you, the listener. By an emergency, something of the grand occasion right. that necessitates our attention immediately. So then you're declaring an emergency. I'm declaring an emergency. It didn't feel like that because it felt like more of a normal. I'm doing my best to be calm because we might have guests, which is it's... what I refer to as new listeners. Right. Glenn, every podcast is somebody's first podcast. That's right. And most of those are somebody's last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, if, if you were to declare an emergency, how would you do it? I would say, I declare an emergency! That did feel a bit more... Uh, it's like no. an emergency... I don't see the difference between... Between what he did and what I did, personally. There's, there's a little it's like an emergency that happened in the context of a South American sporting event. Okay. Sure. So, okay. That was falling off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. That's great. <laughs> well, given that we have an emergency. We do. We have a follow-up question emergency. Mm. Now, is this a crude way to jam in an extra question? I'm offended by your assertion, imaginary person. Wow, that's not cool. This person wrote in and said, I really liked the, say that episode 216, so a few episodes ago, which mentioned the next steps after a first date. Again, if you missed that episode, somebody wrote in and said, I asked someone on a first date and went nice. Uh, as a young lady, said, so I asked a guy on a date. It went nice. We had a nice time. What are the next steps? So do we jump right. straight to being boyfriend and girlfriend? Do we have to get engaged? They didn't actually say that part, but we made fun of that. You know, wh what do we actually do? What happens? Right. So, That's right. so we talked about that. As simple as it may seem, no one talks about that, this person says in our question. And these practical tips are invaluable. Any ideas for what, any more ideas for what to do for dates? And that dear question writer is where you have made a critical mistake Ooh, yes <laughs> for you have opened the door to our imaginations <laughs> and that's a problem i mean and i i'm come snapping one right off the top do what you gotta do we've mentioned this before but we got to come back to it again fishing sure all right now yes, you and glenn does feel that the height of romance can be summed up in a boat a clear lake and some stink bait the, the, let me tell you what you get a gal who likes to go fishing right you got a guy you can get along with for life. Now, let me ask you, are we talking about fishing or are we talking about fishing? We're talking about fishing. That's that what I -E -E -S -S thought. That would be F-E-E-S-H-I-N. Because here's what, first of all, uh, you you got to see if you're compatible. Sure, absolutely. You know, so you're engaging in an activity, whereas my understanding of someone from the South is that it happens very early and there's no talking. That's right. Yep. That's key. You're in the lake and shh, you're going to scare the fish. That's yep. right. Um, uh, here's another thing. Uh, does she have a good sense of balance? Sure. Absolutely. This is critical okay. knowledge to have. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. you know, Handle the pitching and yawing. Uh, and the, exactly. You know, if, if you're getting up and moving around, is she trying to, is she, cause she's got a, you know what I mean? Is she handy? Can she bait a hook? Can she bait a hook? You know, can, you know, if she's got a fish on the line, 
you know, can, can she, she bring it in? Can she bring it in? These are the, this is a woman who can handle these situations. You know, that's, that's, that's your, your partner for life. Yeah. And here's another thing. You're out on the water. You know what I mean? That's romantic. Absolutely. And there's, you know, you're, you're, you're alone together, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you, you know, you could play a little bit of kissy face. Where are you doing that? I'm against that officially. But, it, well, yeah. But this is the thing, is you got your pitching, your yawing, your, your, your rolling, your, you know, your, et cetera. Port and starboard and whatnot. Port and in bow and stern. Absolutely. Okay. And you have to, uh, you know what I mean? You're trying to get the romance working, but you've got to, to deal with the nature. Right. And compensate. Yeah. And uh, it's like that Titanic movie. It's just exactly like that. Exactly yeah. like that Titanic. You know, it is movie. possible just to go on a boat without fishing. You just go on a boat. I don't really understand what that would do, but I think you know you 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 you, you pack some sandwiches and you and you and you go out fishing, and if you then that's going to be your test of compatibility. Now, Glenn, that's good, but what about our landlocked listeners? There's right. just fishing is just not a possibility. It involves a certain amount of overhead. There like what's lakes, the land boats? You're yeah. asking what's the land version of fishing? That's what I'm asking. Oh, that's a good question. Well, hey, you know. hey, paintballing. 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 Yes. Fantastic. Yes. It encourages teamwork. Teamwork and communication. Yeah. And sometimes the paint is red, which is romantic. Yeah. That's, yeah. Here's the great thing about paintballing is on the way to the paintballing, you know, you're trying to be smooth, but you say a couple things that don't come out quite right, right. you know, That's and right. then you got a, a face full of paint right. from your delightful date. Yes. And that teaches you yes. to say things differently you have, in the you, future. You're learning now. Exactly right. feedback. Exactly right. I think that's, uh, you know what, I think more women should be equipped with paintball guns. Absolutely. Absolutely. This well, would, you know, help. Just in general, just in yes, life. Absolutely. Right. Well, let me pitch this out there while we're going on the study. The things you're going to need in a relationship, poker. Yeah. Fantastic. Maybe just a casino. You don't know. Was this the kind of person who hits on 17 or not? <laughs> you need to know because that will tell you a lot about a person. How they handle stress, mm-hmm. how they deal with money, Yep. how they deal with the availability of free drinks. These yeah, are all things you need to know these, if you're going to be in a long-term relationship with someone. Uh, th- you know what, fellas? This is some solid gold. Th- this is wisdom right here. This is what the people tune in for. Well, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, and you know what we're doing now. We're giving this away for free. Absolutely. Yeah. We could make cash money giving this advice out well and speaking of dating consultancy which we're, we're almost clearly set on the path to um you you've both glenn and jed have been big proponents of the roller rink date the oh past. you know it. tell you what right now you take any th- this is literally what we have proposed take your <laughs> entire room full of horrified singles t- take your all the singles in your church take them to a roller rink take them to a roller rink put on Disco music. Yep. Mirror ball. Mm-hmm. Lock the doors. That's gu- really the critical element. Got a guy saying, couple skate. Next skate is couple skate. Couple's only on the floor now for yep. the couple skate. And you have somebody in the back with a, you know, like With cattle, a paintball gun. Let's go With there. a paintball gun. Sure. We're combining ideas here. And. To mark them if they fail. That's right. Yeah. You pair off. Yeah. And you couple skate, dude. Yeah. And now, you know what we're getting going is romance. Yeah. Because you got, let me just tell you this right now. You got a, a mirror ball. Yep. You got disco. Yeah. We're learning a lot about Glenn. And you're rolling a, a, along on, on skates. That's, those three ingredients equals passionate romance. It's and totally true. locked doors and Glenn behind you glaring with a paintball gun. <laughs> you wear your bell bottoms. Those work well with the skates. Everybody That's, wins. Everybody wins. But you know what? I feel like we covered a lot of good bases, but I think we want to close out with one final idea that I think okay. really, this is, n- most people can't handle this. Okay. Bring, okay. bring, it, going, bring it home. We're going next level. We're going next level. This okay. builds on fishing. Okay. And this comes from the war chest of personal experience. Uh-oh. Right. Ice fishing. Ice fishing. You and your lady on a frozen lake right. fishing through ice. Now, this this does bring an important aspect into this story. We, as, we, as we occasionally fall into doing, we've been answering this question from a certain amount of male perspective. That's uh-huh. both 
we are male. And, you know, for a lot of uh, human history, the idea of planning the date, asking the date has been on the male. Right. But uh, a que- certainly in our question that we triggered this question, I assume from our uh, question asker here, these are young ladies saying right. we want to we want to take our part in this. We want to be women of the 21st century and right, be proactive right. in our own lives. And Jed's wife, now wife, at the time, prospective girlfriend, invited Jed ice fishing. Yes, she did. Jed is not an outdoorsman. <laughs> but no, here's what he did. Not. He survived. Yeah. By the grace of God and borrowed clothing from Glenn. Yeah. Right. He survived. He fibbed his way right in there. Well, here's this is as an actual serious point, which I don't think is allowed in the emergency. It's bold new territory. But just as a very brief serious point, um, I was smitten in a way. This woman could have invited me to anything. Right. When she said... And you say there anything, because I can't think of an example of something Jed would be less acclimatized to than ice fishing. Yeah, that would be the ultimate uh, deterrent. This beautiful woman, who's way out of my league, bats her eyes and says, what do you think about ice fishing? And here's what you need to know about that. Is It's not that I thought, oh, God, that sounds awful, but I probably should. In that moment, it's like, that sounds wonderful. That's right. That's right. I would love to go ice fish You were with deep you. in the smit. And here, that sounds great. We're going to do a little bit of wrangling here. Now, it sounds like we're saying start your relationship on lying. Little bit. <laughs> in a way. Definitely. Wait, no. What? In a way. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to bring it around. Bring it around. In that moment, because of the person asking, yes. Jed was saying, I think... Being where you are would be great. That's yep. right. If that involves ice fishing, okay. Yeah. Right. We talked right. to the question. We talked in the past about answer the question that's actually being asked. That's right. That's right. What do you think about ice? This is not what do you think about ice fishing as an idea, as a theoretical, just right. you doing it. That's not the situation. Yeah. Right, right, There's right. not understood. What do you think about ice fishing with me? I think it's that's great. Right. That's and that's right. technically true. That, which is the best kind of true. But th- this is what I'm saying is. You get in, you get out there with the, and you're in the little hut. Yep. And you know what you do. Tell is me. You say, I hear the best thing is to huddle for warmth. Now that's a line right there. Sure. Okay. Yep. Boom. Yeah. Romance. Romance. You know what that I mean? may not be what romance is. It's just, <laughs> it's just science, y'all. Huddle for warmth. Absolutely. I hear that's what the Eskimos do. Okay. <laughs> Boom. That's it. Romance. Yep. Now, you don't hear this on any podcast. You don't get this in any of these Christian dating books. They There's just, a reason. They, they talk about all kinds of, you know, with different things with things and whatever. It's all, you know. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. We're giving you the 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 pearls And you know wisdom. what? You're welcome. You're welcome. Indeed we are. Now, I will draw back to Christian dating book because I've, if I remember the story correctly, Jed went ice fishing with his beloved's family. Yep. So I think technically that counted as courtship. <laughs> Whatever. You're welcome. Whatever. An emergency off. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Well yeah. played. Yeah. Mm. I might pay for that comment later on, but, yeah. you know, I enjoyed it in the moment. All right. So we have a, if you haven't tuned in in a while or if it's your first time, we, uh, not only do we do the podcast here, we do some other stuff, but that includes running an inner city ministry in Chicago. The three guys you're hearing right now. All uh, Glenn's the president, Jed's the program director, and I'm on staff for a ministry called The Bridge, which is part of a ministry called Mission USA. We work with guys coming out of jail. We work with guys in halfway houses and addiction, coming out of the gang lifestyle. We say guys, men and women, we're trying to get them plugged into the local church. That's our whole goal. So obviously we're 100% donor funded. That means we don't do government grants or any of that stuff. So we have all have our own personal donors. Three guys are here on this show of all raised our own support. But we also have our bridge box donors. Big important part of what we do. These are folks from around the world who either read the blogs or listen to the podcast who like what we do. And they give $8 a month in return for a digital media package. That's kind of a thank you for their donation. That's what songs, sermons, Bible studies, guest devotionals, videos, all sorts of cool stuff based around a topic. This month's topic is what does God really think of me? So we're talking about kind of identity in Christ and it's that kind of thing every month. So what that $8 a month these many people allows give allows us to do is to hire part-time employees who are products of our inner city ministry to then go back and do inner city ministry. As you may understand, there's not a lot of money in the inner city 
So someone who is from a bad neighborhood in Chicago, even though they've done a lot of work in their life, they have ministry acumen, all this stuff, they just don't have the pool of contacts to raise money in the way that someone who works for a ministry would. And this allows us to get them on the ground, pay them a little part-time salary to do amazing work. It really helps out what we do at the jailhouse and end the streets. So if you want to support that or just check out what Bridgebox is all about, you can go to missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. If you hang with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. It says, I'm in my mid-20s, and I'm trying to figure out a plan for the next few years of my life. I ask myself, what am I passionate about? And I really don't have an answer or think the answer I do have, hearing and sharing testimonies about Jesus, doesn't really cut it. What's a good way to discover what you're passionate about? Glenn, why don't you start us off on this one? Well, yes, I... I think first and foremost, it's about looking at what are choking those passions out. You know, mm-hmm. why, you know if, you, if you're not immediately aware of what those things are, there's other things going on that are kind of intruding in that space. Um, I think uh, most likely that uh, is going to deal with uh, what we call the have-tos instead of the get-tos. You know, when, mm-hmm. you, when you think of uh, these are all the things I have to make sure I get done as opposed to uh, things that you want to do that you're looking forward to getting done. We see a certain number of people that go into college, go through their college experience and and maybe into the early beginning part of their career, and no part of that is enjoyable to them. Yeah. That seems a little bizarre to me because the, the, the point of choosing a profession and a career and a life is that this is something that you want to do. Um, but we see in... in, in uh, you know, really more than a few instances uh, that there's a, a a sense of worshiping or exalting achievement with the idea that achievement itself will grant happiness. You know, mm-hmm. if I have a PhD, I'll just be happy yeah. that I have one. And then I'll have a job that's really good. And the, the having of the job, that I, the fact that I got that job will make me feel good. And then I'll get a promotion, and the fact that I got a promotion will make me feel really good. And so I'll just move from one achievement to another achievement and so forth. And each one of these things will make me feel better about myself and better about my life. And I'm, I may have more money in my pocket. And so that's sort of my recipe for, for a successful life. All that is complete nonsense. And all that's a recipe for just pure misery. You, you, achievement... Um, particularly if it's in an area that you're not passionate about, is almost totally mm. worthless. So there's, there's very little to that. Um, uh, uh, I, I, you, you can hang a diploma on the wall and look at it every day, but my guess is you're going to feel good about that for a bit, and then that's going to wear off real fast. Yeah. So the amount of effort that goes into that versus the amount of payoff is insane. So there's really not much to that. Um, uh, and I think... For many of us, we think of achievement as a virtue. So if God come to you, came to you and said, okay, I would like for you to spend a year of your life where you work a job, where you make a, a, enough money to get by, but you will achieve nothing in a secular, in a work-related in a sense, sense, in a worldly sense, um, I think there are a number of people that would just freak out freak out on that they yeah. they they move they want to move from achievement to achievement to achievement but those are achievements as as Jed is saying in the in the worldly sense uh and we're not focused on what that might mean in in a godly sense so i think that having that achievement focus uh, achievement centric uh, mindset really chokes out that passion or it it gets us off of thinking mm-hmm. about our passion Mm-hmm. That's a really important way to uh, start this off. And I think when we're looking at this, and Glenn's absolutely right that one of the things to look at is what's getting in the way of that. What is that? But Jed, maybe we can get you to look at, I think, in the kind of, um, I so hesitate to use the phrase internet culture, but there it is. I'm 100 years old. How do you like that? But in this kind of, you know, it's kind of Tumblr-y, instagram kind of, you know, there's a very idea of what passion is that it just kind of, you just there's this thing that just it gets you out of bed in the morning and it's all you think about and then yeah. you you were just drawn to it and it's kind of has this magical quality and I'm not sure that's entirely accurate I think that paints a picture of something that's not really there I think there are people out there who um, it goes along with what Glenn's saying about maybe a slightly different group of people who just kind of they don't really know what they're passionate about you know there's some stuff they like there's some stuff 
but they don't really know if they like any of it to make it kind of something they want to do in life. So what is actually having a passion in a practical sense look like? Mm, 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 mm. Man, that's a great question. I think that passion is something that for most people you have to build. Um, we, one of the great fixations of modern culture is we want life to happen to us. Mm. And, um, and so similarly, we want passion to happen to us. I just wake up one day and now I'm passionate about art and that's just, now I, now I will do that. But very few things in life worth having happen to you. Most things in life worth having, and I think this includes passion, are things that you cultivate and, mm -hmm. and things that, that you build. And very few good things in life will beat you over the head. Mm -hmm. um, to get mm -hmm. your attention. Um, I'm a little bit of a foodie. Um, I can tell you the best food in the world, your first bite, you go, you know, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then you take mm -hmm. a second bite and go, actually, that's, that's really Quite good. It's mm -hmm. it's the fifth or sixth bite where you go. This is the best thing I've ever eaten. Right. But right, that's right. that's not on bite one. And right. I think that that a lot about developing a passion works a similar way where it's about trying things and noting when something inside of you says, you know, that was that was cool. Mm -hmm. I'm on to something. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on to something here. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind doing more of that. Mm -hmm. You know. And then you mm -hmm. do more and go. Actually, it's more than cool. That's right, that's right. meaningful. I, I like yeah. I you know I need to investigate that more deeply. You go from cool to meaningful to no. I'm I'm very interested in this. You know, mm -hmm. and down the road you discover, man, no, this is my jammy jam. But you didn't you didn't start there. You had to you had to build to that. I think one of the things that gets in the way is, and I, this is certainly true about the achievement culture stuff that Glenn is talking about, is things that are all about you kind of by definition end up being pretty boring and uninspiring. Mm -hmm. um, and, mm -hmm. and most of what people want you to, to have a passion about is actually just kind of all about you. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'm super, I'm super into school and, and getting good grades. There's nothing wrong with that, but it, it is kind of all about you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's the whole focus. I think that in general, if you want to find, if you want to develop a passion, you do better to start with things that are focused on other people. How mm -hmm. do I serve other people? The good news is there's actually a lot of ways to do that. You know, there you can can serve people's spiritual needs, and you can do that through things like helping out with Young Life or helping with a Sunday school class or something like that. You can serve people's relational needs. You can do that through things like visiting at a nursing home, um, mm -hmm. you know, and spending time with the clientele there. Or you can serve people's physical needs through something like a soup kitchen uh different ways of serving different forms of serving are going to appeal to different people mm -hmm. one is not better than the other that's right um you know it's it's just kind of the way that you're wired but it is about seeing what jumps out to you not what mm -hmm. leaps out and beats you over the head but what do you try and say there's something there mm -hmm. i i want to investigate that and i have a fully. kind of a feel for it and yeah exactly right exactly right but I think it's about giving yourself permission to say, this thing is going to be something I'm going to have to develop over time. It's going to have to be something that I cultivate. And this goes back to, to what Glenn was saying. I have to create a space where it can grow. Mm -hmm. If I'm living a life where there, it's all have-tos and I'm spoken for every hour of every day and I'm living with unspeakable pressure, mm -hmm. that is not fertile ground for passion to develop. Right, right. Um, we, we have to till that soil a bit. We have mm -hmm. to, to get rid of some of those have-tos. We have to free up that schedule a bit. But I think we can have confidence that if we do uh, kind of get rid of some of those obligations and work at um, developing um, passion, we will have it. Yeah. That's absolutely right. I think it's a very important point about cultivating and finding something. I think part of what we're dealing with here is someone who says, I, nothing has leapt out to me to be passionate about nothing. Yeah. The muses did not take me and yeah. ram me in any one direction. I think the other thing that's going on here, and it's, it happens a lot with people of this particular age is this idea of if I can't make a living on something that mm. I'm passionate about, it doesn't count. Yeah. So yeah. That's actually not a good way to go about this. So, yeah. Um, you may end up making a living from what you're passionate about. And here's the thing you need to know about that. That is not the end all be all of existence. No. Right. Uh, there are three guys in this podcast and Lee would be the same if you were here, um, who the thing they're passionate about and the thing that kind of is their calling in life and the thing that they make a living on is all the same. And there's some very cool things about that. Mm -hmm. There's also some challenges about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we all know people who work a professional nine to five and have a thing that they're passionate, a couple of things even that they're passionate about on the side that do a lot of good and a lot of help. And there's some 
big advantages of that and some big challenges of that. Mm-hmm. Neither one is better. Neither one is more holy. They're just different. Mm-hmm. Right. So this idea of, you know, well, I, I think this is cool, but I could never make that impression. Don't worry about that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. When mm-hmm. you're looking to cultivate those passions, and in fact, if you're looking for something you're passionate about, your goal probably shouldn't be to make it your profession. I yeah. think I, it's safe to say that all three of us on this podcast started down the path we're on not knowing it would become a profession. Mm-hmm. For some of us, I think for Glenn, maybe faster than for Jed and I, it became your profession when mm-hmm. you became a prison chaplain, but that's not where that started because right. there's, there's really too much mixed up in that to be on those pressures. So if we can disassociate that, and that helps a lot with what I think just talking about here about taking the pressure off and trying things and mm-hmm. just seeing what you like, mm-hmm. seeing what people you like are into. You, hey, my, I really get along with so-and-so, and he seem, they, they seem happy, so what do they do? And mm-hmm. If you can get this used to as an idea of exploration, which means you may have a job you're not particularly nuts about, but that pays the bills. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. That allows you to explore and check things out. One quick bonus point just to build on everything you've heard. As you're cultivating that sense of passion and exploring and trying things, find some things that you like doing. You should enjoy doing them. And then ask, is there a way that I could use this to be an encouragement or help to somebody else? I'll give you an example. My wife, Hallie, is a very, very gifted baker. She's really good at it. She's not a professional baker. She's not trying to be a professional baker. That would steal all of the joy out mm-hmm. of it. But she just likes baking. She's very good at it. A few years ago, um, you know, we work with a lot of people coming out of prison. She got the idea, you know what? As we've got some of these guys that are helping us out at the service and you know, you know, moving heavy stuff and whatnot, I wonder what it would do if I started making them a plate of cookies. Mm-hmm. Just, just as a thank you. I like making cookies anyway. Right. Um, but I wonder what and Jed that... can only consume so many cookies. I'm trying, right. y'all. I'm giving right. it everything I've He's got. He's only one man. <laughs> I'm not a machine <laughs> yet. Um, <laughs> okay. But, uh, but she says, you know, what would it do if I, you know, you know, made a plate of cookies? We've had guys that have gone through rough times and and had legal problems and whatnot that have you know wound up serving you know longer prison sentences downstate and they will send they will write letters and they'll say you know please say this to so and so and please say this to so and so and please tell Hallie I can't wait for another plate of those cookies when <laughs> okay. I get back out right. <laughs> all right we've taken something that on its on its own is not there could be nothing less meaningful on its own than cookies but we've how. Dare. <laughs> <laughs> Blasphemy. But, uh, but, I mean, delicious is different from meaningful. Yeah. But we've created... Yeah, maybe to you. Yeah. We've created meaning. This is the right. thing. Yeah. By using it as a way to serve other people, it's become this incredibly meaningful people, uh, incredibly meaningful thing. For some of these people, it's the first time in their life anyone's ever baked them cookies before. That's right. Um, and it says, you're not a helper, you're family. That's right. And that changes their whole perception. And I bet you can do that in your own life, too. That's absolutely yeah. right. Now, I'll bonus point your bonus point. Um, also... Be on the lookout for people who've kind of been down this path a little bit before have an idea. Because another thing on this exact thing is one of the other things uh, Jed's wife started doing is having uh, gals from suburban churches who volunteer with us in some other capacities say, why don't you come over and we'll bake some cookies for the guys? Yeah. Or we've had you know small groups say, well, what can we do? How can we help out? You say, it would be really be great if we could have a plate of cookies, take this residential program or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they all start off with the same attitude, which is, I mean, that sounds, I, I, it's fun to bake and that sounds cool, but this doesn't sound like, I don't see how that could be anything. And some of them catch that exact same vision and they have, well, oh, if we did an arts and crafts thing and then it spun off. So um, this is, there's an old phrase and we use it a lot in the, on kind of our ministry that it's a lot easier to steer a moving ship. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the kind of the worst thing for finding your passion is sitting in a room asking yourself, what am I passionate about? <laughs> That's right. Check something out. Not this. You yeah. never know. You say, you know, I'm passionate about hearing and sharing testimonies about Jesus. That's, there's no job in that, but you could start a blog, you could you could record them and start a podcast, you could start making YouTube videos, and that might take you down a whole rabbit hole you never knew. Mm-hmm. You may never know you're passionate about being a filmmaker, but now that you made some YouTube videos and scored them yep. about people's testimonies, the whole thing. So take the pressure off yourself, start exploring, and you're, something will present Dude, itself. Dude, find, find a missionary and say, I want stories of yeah. what's happened on your mission field. I want to take that, I want to set it to music, I want to create a video, and then you can use that to yep. help raise money for what you're doing. You've radically transformed what that dude or dude S is able to do on their mission field. That's huge, dude. Absolutely. Dude S is the scientific term. Quite. For those of you who are wondering. All right. We have another Say That interview for you. This is our friend Jason Gray. He's a songwriter, singer out of uh, Minnesota. Really cool dude. He, uh, he has a new album coming out this Friday called Where the Light Gets In. We talk a little bit about uh, kind of writing that with 
the point where he was in his life. It's a very cool story how this album has capped off some stuff he's been through. Um, I will, on uh, way of preface, he mentions, you might hear it, I don't actually know if it, if it actually presents the interview, but uh, Jason was born with a pretty pronounced stutter. It's actually gotten way better his life, but he, he mentions that as part of his story of having his speech impediment. So, and again, it's, we talked for a while, and I actually don't know if it comes up. I didn't really notice it, but he, he'll mention his speech impediment. That's what he means. And if you look up Jason's stuff, there's some great kind of YouTube videos and stuff of him talking about that and what it taught him, and it plays into what he's saying. So there's a lot of cool stuff in the interview. We're going to take to that right now. So the, the record is called Where the Light Gets In, and that comes from the title track, which is the wounds are is the wound is where the light gets in and what's yeah i that kind of sets the tone for the whole record you can kind of tell us about that song and that phrase and how that fits into the whole record is what you're doing yeah you know um very early on in my life i had a good teacher um called my speech handicap (laughs) (laughs) who uh you know uh very early on, um, you know, uh, complicated things for me in a great way, um, especially as I began to be aware of God's calling on my life and wondered, you know, well, well, how is this supposed to work, you know? And, and um, I remember for the longest time uh, believing that God was going to heal me of my speech handicap and and that that was going to be my story, you know, that I, I used to have a speech handicap, but then God healed me. And so now I can speak and here's my story. And, um, I've been grateful over the years to discover what a gift my speech handicap is. Um, and, uh, and how the, how the Lord did heal me of my speech handicap. He he brought a lot of healing into my life through my speech handicap. There were you know, it's just been a good a good a good teacher, um person almost uh t- teaching me the the, the, the truth of, of how it's uh it's in our weakness that his strength is perfected. Which is a verse that we all get excited about and we say amen to, you know, but we we betray ourselves with our language, and we reveal how hard that is for us to actually believe when we say things like, you know what, it's okay, God's going to use you in spite of your brokenness or in spite of your imperfection. And I think it's truer to say that God will use you not in spite of, but because of your imperfection, because of your brokenness. Mm. You know, he, he gets his best work done, um, in and through our brokenness, you know, that's where we most intimately meet with him. And, uh, and that's oftentimes where we are transformed, you know? And, um, so that's been, a a theme in and through a lot of my music that, that, you know, uh, the things that we might imagine are, are the worst things that could happen to us. Uh, over time, we begin to recognize them as things we can actually be grateful for because of what they produced in us, you know, and uh, and and the good teachers they were in our lives. I was uh, I was actually uh, with my therapist, and uh, where I heard this quote by the Persian poet Rumi, and. Uh, he said, the wound is where the light enters you. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is one of the truest things I've ever heard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, and um, affirms, you know, what we already believe in Scripture, you know, about how God is able to work all things together for the good of those who love Him. And what Christ demonstrated as a wounded healer on the cross, you know, and I thought I, I, I have to write I have to write this song. The wound is where the light gets in, you know. And uh, I wrote it with um, with Dan Hasseltine of Jars of Clay. I yeah. brought the idea to him, and uh, he's one of my heroes, you know. And that was the first time I got to work with him. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is you know, how do I just act normal? <laughs> because I'm, 
I'm a super fan, you know, and uh, he, he's, he's gentle and kind and humble. And still, I was just like very intimidated and just trying to play it cool, you know? Um, but, uh, I brought the idea to him and it resonated with him and we wrote the song. So when you're going through a difficult time, when you're trying to write songs about your own brokenness and be, uh, I think, uh, Beekner called it being a steward of your pain. Yeah. Good quote. Wow. What was the experience like? I know Beekner just, anytime I can use his words instead of mine, that's a good day for me. Beekner is my favorite author. So you just won major brownie points with me for, for, uh, for quoting Beekner. Well, there you go. It's... He, 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 he was the first person, um, that the Lord used in my life to make my faith coherent to me, you know, like his language and the way that he, he talked about what it means to be a Christian made sense. It's like, okay, I can hang with that, you know? And, uh, so he, he's, his work has been a lot to me. I'm sorry. I interrupted you though. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm chewing on that, that, that coherence is, yeah, I've never thought of it that way, but that is, I think I had exactly the same experience. And the funny thing is it's, we're going to go off on a Beekner nerd rant, and you people can just okay, deal with good, it. Okay, good. Let's do it. We're doing this. Um, <laughs> it is a coherence, but it's such an open-ended coherence. His was the first. Yeah. A lot of Christian stuff I read that there are so few conclusions in Beekner. I'm I'm so glad you're talking about this. I, one of the things I love about Beekner is that um, I read authors, and I can feel them trying to persuade me of what they believe. Mm. And uh, Beekner, his uh, his touch is very gentle, and I never feel like he's trying to persuade me, but he's always more like, have you considered this? And then he leaves a very open, you know, which is how Jesus taught. You know, he, 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 uh, he left the power of discovery up to us, you mm. know. And one of the other things I've, I've, I've um, I love about Beekner, like I've been thinking about this as I want to um, do what he does in my own work, but I feel like uh, I feel like he I feel like Beekner demonstrates such great confidence in the durability of truth and the power of truth. Yeah, that he. Uh, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to defend the truth. Um, a lot of people, I feel like, uh, they they're they're truth defenders. We got to make sure we stand up for the truth. And uh, I think of Spurgeon, who said, um, "Defend the truth. The truth is like a lion. Just yeah. cut it off the chain. It'll defend itself." You know. And I feel like Beekner demonstrates that. He doesn't see the truth as something that has to be defended or that is fragile, you know, but is very durable. And so I feel like he's, he's free to kind of, um, wander off to the very outer edges of truth and kind of explore the boundaries of it and, uh, discover its true shape out there on the, on the edges of it, you know? And, um, I just love that about his work. Absolutely. And there, that is a lot of kind of what's running through the record. You, you, was an intentional thing to try to be upbeat and to approach that in a specific way? Yeah, you know, I, I, um, my last record, my last three records, really, but especially my last one, had a lot of grief on it. Uh, I was, I was in the midst of uh, my worst fears becoming a reality. You know, um, my marriage ended uh, after uh, eight years of us struggling, trying to make it work, you know, and, mm. and, um, uh, and I didn't feel like I could write about that on those records because first of all, I didn't know how the story was going to end. Um, and, uh, it wasn't, you know, only, only half of the story is mine to tell, you know, mm. but, uh, the grief still came through on those records for sure. Um, and then the worst thing happened, and, and 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 there was a lot of a lot of disillusionment with that. Uh, you know, the one thing 
the one thing that I, I prayed the hardest for um, didn't work out. And uh, it broke my prayer. It broke my belief. You know, it's like, what do I believe anymore? Yeah. Um, it, was, it was just a... a I, I, I remember I spent so many nights um, in hotels on the road just crying out to God as, as hard, as loud as, as I could in a hotel room and having moments where I felt like, well, what do I have to do to get you to hear me, you know? Yeah. Because uh, it, it felt like I was, I was crying into a, a void. And um, so, you know, the, uh, uh, those others had a lot of, a lot of grief, had a lot of grief on them, and then you know, uh, in the aftermath of all of that, as I'm trying to understand uh, what my faith is supposed to look like amidst this this profound dis- disappointment, you know, um, I didn't want to make a divorce record. <laughs> sure. And uh, I don't know if, if you've had this experience, but you know, when you're going through a hard time. And, and people ask you how you're doing and you want to be authentic. And so you'll talk about what's going on. You'll talk about the struggle, the pain. And that's helpful for a while. But then after a while, it's like, oh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm just exhausted talking about that. Yeah. And and that was how I was feeling going into these new songs. It was like, oh, I, I just want to, I need to, I need to start a different conversation. <laughs> sure. And um, so it, it it very much is intentionally hopeful, but I think it still acknowledges the reality of loss and pain, you know? As we, as you mentioned, there's a lot of co-writes, a lot of co-producers, oh, yeah. a lot of people involved in this record. You mentioned kind of your worst fears coming true in your life, and I think a lot of us have been to that point. But I think for a lot of us, the, the scarier thing is having to, as you kind of alluded to there, having to talk about and acknowledge when those things happen. What was it like to go to colleagues and friends, as you're mentioning with Dan Hasseltine, heroes, and invite them to be not only part of a project, but part of a project that is, in large part, kind of about vulnerability and failure and that kind of stuff? Was that a scary yeah. experience at first? And what did you learn from the way people reacted? You know, I'm I'm not... I'm not... I'm very grateful... Um, for, uh, I don't know what it is, but however God has wired me, and maybe it's something uh, my speech handicap taught me early on. You know, I, I think uh, I think very early on in junior high, we begin to learn how to protect ourselves and how to hide from each other. And um, but having a, a, a speech handicap, um, I couldn't really ever hide. I mean, every time I opened up my mouth to speak, it was clear that uh, I was broken, you know. So maybe that very early on uh, um, taught me how to be less scared of of that kind of vulnerability. I think for me, the skill, I'm, 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 I'm eager I'm eager to talk about all those things because I, I I think I think I do that very imperfectly. Um, I've given myself permission to be imperfect. <laughs> um, and my mentor, Tim is George. He said, uh, "You need to give people permission to misunderstand you." <laughs> wow! And uh, isn't that great? That's deep, George. And terrifying at the same time, you know. Yeah. And, um, so, um, but just having, having to release all of that and, uh, and know that people are going to, um, they're going to have a hard time understanding it. And I can't blame them because I, I have a hard time understanding. It's confusing to me still. And, um, so, but it's, it's been important for me to uh, learn how to not be distracted by that in my life 
and how to move forward and to not be afraid and uh, and to throw myself every day into the unfailing love of God. Well, it's amazing. That's an amazing story. It's a, it's a great record. The record is where the light gets in by Jason Gray. You can get it everywhere you buy music starting June seventeenth. Jason, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. It's good to talk with you. You absolutely, you as well, man. All right, really good to hear from Jason. Uh, you can hear, you can find out more about Jason at jasongraymusic.com. The record is called "Where the Light Gets In." It comes out everywhere you buy music this Friday, June seventeenth. Uh, one of the things Jason talked about in the interview that got me thinking, and I want to get these guys away on. I'm just kind of, we're going to do a roll quick lightning round thing we talked about this idea that uh the writer frederick the writer frederick beaner called being a steward of your pain jason's talking about the hard stuff he went through how that presented not only the record but just kind of the way he related to people and dealt with his life we don't tend to talk too much about our own personal stuff on the podcast because that's not what the podcast is about Mm -hmm. it's about answering your questions but we're not getting into specific stories but i want to ask these guys you know we, we obviously we've all been through hard stuff in our life and what what is one specific thing that you working through your own hard stuff has taught you in a way that helped you move forward and maybe help other people get through their own hard stuff. And Jed, why don't you start us off on this? Well, it's one thing, but it's kind of two sides of the same coin, is that he's in it with me and that he cares. Mm-hmm. Uh, that in, mm-hmm. in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that suffering, I'm not, I'm not by myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't have an indifferent savior on mm-hmm. my side. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that he gets it, that he you know, went first in that there's nothing that I'm going through that he didn't already choose to go through his own self. And, and there's, there's an incredible comfort that I've found in that. And, um, the, the fact that the fact that he cares to me changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not just that he's able, he is, but the fact that he cares, mm-hmm. uh, to me, that's what changes everything. Absolutely. Glenn? Well, yeah, I think for me, um, uh, the pain, if, if I'm experiencing pain, most of the time, that's because I've dealt it to myself, if I'm yeah. going to be honest. And I learned, the thing that I learned is trust, because I learned that I can't trust myself, because here I am letting myself down and causing myself pain. And uh, if, if I had chosen to trust him, I would have done things his way, and I wouldn't be in that pain. But it's a similar thing if someone else causes that pain to me, uh, I, I, it, I, I, either trust myself to try and right that wrong or take revenge or be angry or lash out, or I trust God to handle that situation and give me the right response, you know, whether that's setting a boundary, whether that's ending a relationship, whether it's, you know, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but it, it, trust is the thing that I think comes out of those painful circumstances. Absolutely. That's a lot of really great stuff. We're going to move on to our final question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr box, and it says, I keep hearing phrases like, we must die to ourselves and yes. give up our lives. Right. How can I do this in my everyday life? I need a job to pay rent, etc. I can't just give it all up. How do I give my life away but still work and do following through with my other commitments? And Glenn, why don't you start us off on this? Yeah, well, uh, it's not either or. There's, there's time enough uh, to do all the things that God wants you to do. And there's uh, time to do all the handle all the responsibilities that that you have. Almost like God wants you to fulfill your responsibilities. That's right. Um, uh, so uh, th- these are not competing concerns mm. a- at all. Um, the, what you recognize but are not pointing out is there's not enough time to do everything that God wants you to do, plus all the extra stuff that you want to do. Yeah. That's where there's a there's a problem. Well, could we also point to there is not enough time to do all the things God wants you to do and all the time that someone from the pulpit who is telling you sh- you should give your life away exactly. wants you to do. That's exactly right. Uh, that Yes. There, it, it kind of goes back to that achievement thing and the obligation thing we were talking about in the first question in the sense that you're, you're in a position where you're, you've got a full work week in which we're trying to achieve yeah and then we come to god and it appears that god has a whole additional agenda for us to do things with him and for him that seem to be on top of and competing with my agenda of achievement Mm -hmm. and that therein lies a conflict and somebody tells me well I, i need to to give up that that need for achievement well, it's almost good advice from the standpoint of 
um, A, the achievement is never going to make you happy. Uh, B, you, you are on that without questioning it properly. Yeah. Okay, here's what I mean by that. If I go to a, a driven person who's staying late at work, and I say, why are you doing this? For, for what reason? Well, I got to get to raise. Okay, why do you need a raise? Well, then I can move up to and then get in a better place. Why do you want to get in a better place? Well, then we can stretch out and be more comfortable, and everyone, you know, and then it'll be more good, and then the housing values and whatever. But it, it's a, it's like someone on a treadmill yeah. that is. Why do this? And there's 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 no endpoint where if I do this, then I'm happy. And and you you can see it in a way that they can't see. If you just let someone else get this promotion, you'd be a thousand times happier than you are right sure. now. It's enough. You've got enough. Yep. That's it. Be 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 happy with this. Be it's it, we can be satisfied with this. Uh, what we're afraid of, and the reason why you're reacting to this question uh, in, in the way that you are, is because we're concerned. What if God came to us and said, uh, "I I want." I don't want you to do this. Mm. I want you to do something else. Else, Something else that would pay the bills and something else that would whatever, but would go against that sense of a human ego-building uh, achievement stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, uh, you know, something that you didn't go to school for, something, you know, if you, if you wake up one day and say, you know, uh, I, I just really wish I had become a florist. Yeah. Uh, well, in your family, in your circumstances, in the, your college experience, all of that, was that even an option? Was that something even to, to be considered? And if that's, as we were looking at in the first question, if that's your passion, and, and that seems out of reach and out of touch or whatever, uh, what you've set up is this whole thing that must be answered to that has nothing to do yeah. with God. And, it's, and, and again, there's no happiness in there, there's no fulfillment in that, whatever. That's something to joyfully give up. You know, yeah. That's something to be glad that you, you don't have to whatever. Um, it, it's, it's recognizing that God has uh, physical responsibilities for you to, to carry out. Uh, he intends for you to eat and pay rent, and he has stuff for you to do. He has uh, things that will uh, help you to rest, things that will help you to serve others. Uh, to have a fulfilled and well-rounded and and balanced life. But in order to accomplish those things, some of the work stuff is not going to get done. And that's it. They're just going to have to suck it up. It means your family is not going to get everything they want out of you. Yeah, That's just too bad. And as uh, uh, even as Matt is pointing out, uh, even your church is not going to get everything yeah. they want out of you. And they're going to have to suck that up, and that's too bad. Uh, what's being sacrificed in all of that is my ego. Yeah. That all these people might not might think I'm a bad employee and a bad uh, uh, a family member and uh, uh, you know a bad Christian or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm putting that on the the I'm laying that down as my sacrifice and I'm dedicating myself to simply following what God wants. Absolutely, and Jed, maybe I can get you to speak to another side of this, which is. I think part of what is tripping this person up is there's this idea of, and Glenn actually spoke to this a little bit uh, more obliquely. Maybe we can come directly at it. This idea of when you hear, I think these people are only hearing half a sentence. Yeah, that's correct. Which is, you have to die to yourselves. You have to give up your lives. Jesus said those things, but those were the, where the comma comes. It was, give up your life to find it. Yeah, right, Die to right. yourself, then I may give you eternal life. I think, mm-hmm. as Glenn's pointing out here, you have to find things that God wants you to do. Glenn was talking about things that you are doing. You were giving up these things that somebody wants you or somebody else wants you to do to do these other things that God wants you to do. I think part of what uh, we're dealing with here is some people talk about this in the idea of almost, as we talked about before in the show, a Buddhist sense of yeah. you are giving up life to replace it with nothingness and yeah. the absence right. of desire. What we're talking about here is finding better stuff to do. That's right. So yeah. when we take that aspect of that's giving up your life is finding something better, what are some practical ways we can live that out? It's a great question. One of the, I'm loath to use this word, but it actually applies here. One of the great heresies of Christianity, particularly in the 21st century, is the belief that God wants you to suffer for no reason. Yeah. Um, God is going to call you to suffer, 
but not for no reason. Mm-hmm. It's the for no reason part that makes it mm-hmm. a heresy, that yeah, makes it right. false teaching. I was doing some work with a young couple this past week, and they were asking, what's the role of sacrifice in a loving relationship? And the thing that we got to looking at is there's a huge role, but it has to be for something. The sacrifice right. has to be achieved. Has to achieve something. Right. There's no role for sacrifice that accomplishes nothing. That's right. Uh, that's uh, it's just abuse. It's just abuse. Um, so uh, to repeat what Matt has said, um, we give up our lives that we may find them. There's mm. something. It's an exchange. There's a better thing, a better mm. state, a better experience that waits on the other side of that. Um, the idea of suffer because suffering is good is not a Christian concept. Mm-mm. That's a different religion entirely. Yeah. Um, and if you're not clear on that, you should be. The yeah. idea of you want things and it is bad that you want them, just intrinsically, that's not Christianity in any way, shape, That's or form. Right. Um, right. So let's talk about what is Christianity. This is an old phrase, and it, it, I, you may have heard it before, but if you haven't, you definitely need to think about it. The, the phrase goes, what would you do for God if you knew you could not fail? Now, that's one that it's it's easy to, you kind of say, oh, well, you know, I'd go be a missionary and wherever, but I don't want you to do that. I want you to actually think about that phrase. Um, I want you to write it down. What would you do for God if you knew you could not fail? Mm. Churn that in your head. Yeah. Think about it. Pray about it. Talk to other people about it. Talk to your pastor about it. Talk to your mentor about it. Talk to people you trust about it. Give it a week. Chew on that. If you knew the time would be there, the money would be there, the open doors would be there, everything you need would be there. Mm-hmm. Given all that, what would you do for the kingdom if you knew you could not fail? Then, when you've come up with an answer, because I bet you'll find an answer, the thing that I want you to ask yourself is, what actually stands in the way of me doing that right. today? Right. And I think what you'll find is that there's internal things within you that stand mm-hmm. in the way of that. So, for example, if I knew I couldn't fail at it, I'd reach out to those new kids at school that feel really lonely and feel like nobody cares about them, and I would be a friend to them. But they look totally different than me, and they act totally different than me, and I feel like they j- just reject me and think I was a nerd yeah, you, you and wouldn't want anything to do with me. Fail. Yeah. You assume that you would fail. Well, the thing is, you have this thing that you could do for the Lord that maybe the Spirit is prompting you to do, but there's this insecurity that's in the way of doing that, mm-hmm. right? There's this belief about yourself that you couldn't, you, they'd think I was a fraud and they wouldn't have anything to do with me. That's, that's insecurity. Dying to yourself in a true Christian sense says that insecurity has to go because it's standing in the way of me doing this thing that would right. bless people in Jesus' name. That's right. Right? Similarly, if you said, well, I would, you know, I, my, I, our church helps to dig wells in Africa, and if I knew I couldn't fail and I'd have all the resources, well, I'd just help bankroll that, because I think that's great, and I think that's wonderful. Okay, the real world is you don't have infinite resources, but are you giving anything right now? Mm-hmm. Are you contributing to that at all? And if you're not, what stands in the way of that? Right. You have a heart, you have a passion for that, but if you're not currently contributing to it in any way... What stands in the way of that? Um, right. And it's not just necessarily, you know, uh, you know, stuff and you like stuff too much. It's more about are you spending money to keep up with the Joneses? Right. Right. Is this about, you know, an impression thing? Is it that um, you have you have other, you know, funky attitudes about money? But what are the internal things that are standing in the way of you taking steps towards this thing that you care about that would benefit the kingdom. That's where dying to yourself actually comes in. But the, the funny thing about that is if we don't have a sense of what it is we're trying to accomplish, we can't even begin to look at the dying to ourselves. That's piece. right. That's right. Um, if you can dig it, dying to yourself, what was your other phrase here? Giving up your lives. It's an investment. Mm-hmm. All right. Business people make investments all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't make an investment in general. You can only make an investment in a specific opportunity, mm. right? A businessman doesn't say, I want to invest a million dollars. That that doesn't make any sense. He says, I want to invest a million dollars in this specific company that does X, Y, Z, because I believe there will be a huge return on my investment. Mm-hmm. So it is here, the idea of I'm just going to generally die to myself and I'm going to generally give up my life, that doesn't make any sense. It's I see an opportunity to impact the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. I see a way I could be involved in it. Here's the investment of myself I'm going to make in that. Here's the investment mm-hmm. of making changes in my life, both internally and externally. Here's mm-hmm. the investment of letting go of things that I want to be a certain in order to do that work. That's how this actually plays out. Yeah, and I think along those lines, 
the the thing that really makes that work is the is the burden of love. Yes, absolutely sure. right. You know, when you love somebody, making a sacrifice, you're laying down your life in order to find it. You know, getting getting rid of our our ego, uh, whatever. Those are it's a joy to do that. It's you're doing it before you even think about it. If you believe it'll benefit them, that's right. That's right. Yeah. If if you say, I mean, if you see that benefit, if you see that opportunity to make a difference, and you love that person. You're halfway to doing it before yeah. you even uh, considering what the cost is. Exactly right. Exactly right. So you know, I think you, I think you're absolutely right that we're putting sort of the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. The, the the love needs to be there. That that burden, that sense of, you know, this is something I care about. As we we're talking about on the first question, this is something I'm passionate about. Uh, that you know, the, all of the sacrifices that we've made in in our lives and that pertain to our callings. Are all because we love what we do. Yeah. We love the people that we work with. Absolutely right. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's huge sacrifices. I guess if you if you want to call it that, but to us, we don't see it that way. It's just when you love somebody, this is just what you do. Absolutely you know, this right. Is, this is how it works. You know, you, you don't say to a mother, "You've made lots of sacrifices for your children." They say, "Well, no, you it's know, it's not quite that, like that. That's not how this works. It, they're they're your kids. You do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. It's just you you you." You do whatever it takes to get them where they need to go and do the thing. And you're, it's not about uh, asking whether that's a, a, a requirement or not or whether that's the holy thing to do or not or whatever yeah. else it is. Uh, it's it's about going from that place of love. Well, and that brings us back to something that we've talked about on this podcast before and it bears repeating. The, you've almost certainly heard these phrases from a pastor or a speaker that wants people to be hardcore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're gonna be totally jacked for Jesus. We're gonna mm-hmm. be totally swole for the Lord. Uh, there's two things on that. First, that doesn't work, right? Just, no. sure and 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 this is also a pastor that wants you to bring more people into his church. That's that's why this this talk is being given. Exactly right. Exactly right. But this idea of I'm just gonna be hardcore, just in general, yep. um, you know, hardcore for holiness. That doesn't work. That right. doesn't. That lasts about a week and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it doesn't work. But that said, if you want to be hardcore about something, be hardcore about showing grace and love to people who need it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Extend mm-hmm. God's love to people who don't believe God loves them. Mm-hmm. Be hardcore about that. And this is the key thing. You can start doing that today with almost no sacrifice. That's right. To keep doing it will inevitably involve sacrifice, but honestly, you, as Glenn's saying, you won't see it as sacrifice when mm-hmm. you get to that point. Mm-hmm. But for the vast majority of people, you could begin showing grace and love, which are the things in Christianity to be hardcore about. Mm-hmm. You could start showing the, the people who need it right now today with basically zero sacrifice in your life. Mm-hmm. So start there. That's, that's the place to start. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It does actually, this corresponds a lot with the first question we had today. And one of the ways in which is, um, this does not mean living an inherently unstable life. No. That's right. God is calling some people to financially less than stable lives. You're listening to a few of them, mm-hmm. but that's not everybody. So we actually go to the source version of this. This is the version that's in Mark 8, starting verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Again, this is not happening just for the sake of it. You're not denying yourself to be a good Christian. Dying to yourself does not mean waking up early because we feel bad about the low number of people in our community groups. Yep. This is something, dying to yourself is something you are giving up or changing so you can follow Jesus. Yep. As, as, Jed's pointing out right now, that's a process, that's a path, and it can start today with actually minimal sacrifice. Yep. And it's the odd, odds are that God is not going to call you to leave your job and have no money, because as we pointed out, there are very positive things you can do for the kingdom with a steady income and your money. There's the guy two cubicles down from you that's gone through the messy divorce. Yep. Totally. The thing you could do today is, it's cheeseburger o'clock, I'm buying, that's it's right. lunch break, let's go. That's right. Yeah. Well, that funny thing, just to wrap us up, People would not believe the um, how unhardcore the constituent parts of our jobs are. Yeah, it's a lot of buying guys cheeseburgers and yeah. talking with them. That's right. Yeah. Now they happen to be former gang members or yeah. heroin addicts, but uh, <laughs> the 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 nuts and bolts of that is no different than hanging right. out with a new kid at school or yeah. going out. And it gets the job done. Yeah, reaching out to somebody, talking about their problem, 
being nice to them, being sweet at them. Mm-hmm. And eventually you'll have to change some things, make some calls, do some stuff to be able to do that for more people more effectively. But as Glenn's mm-hmm. pointing out, by that point, you'll be so hooked on it yeah. that it'll be all you want to do anyway. That's right. All right, it's a lot of really good stuff. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com. Big thanks again to Jason Gray for joining us. The new record is out this Friday called Where the Light Gets In. You can find more information at jasongraymusic.com. We're going to take out the song this week. This is one of Jed's uh, bridge worship songs. This was recorded live at our bridge service in Chicago. It's called Here I Am. We're going to take out with that. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, oh, girl, you know the way you cast that voice driving me crazy. <laughs> if you were looking for accomplishment, then you know I wouldn't stand a chance. But you said you wanted failure, so here I am. If you were looking for intelligence, then you know I wouldn't stand a chance. But you said you wanted fools, so here I am Thank you, God, for love I don't deserve Thank you, God, for love I did not earn Thank you, God, for love I don't deserve Citizens, then you know I wouldn't stand a chance. But you said you wanted prisoners, so here I am. If you were looking for faithful men, then you know I wouldn't stand a chance. But you said you wanted doubters, so here I am. Thank you, God, for love. Thank you, God, for love I did not earn. Thank you, God, for love I don't deserve. Thank you, God, for love I did not earn. If you were looking for a righteous man, then you know I wouldn't stand a chance. But you said you wanted sinners, so here I am If you were looking for worthy men Then you know I wouldn't stand a chance But you said you wanted me, so here I am